the free for all roundtable round two on round two today, Bob Reed is here, principal at broadwaystrategy.com, and we get to work together tomorrow because I'm doing the Jerry Agar show, and he's the man behind touchdowns and fumbles. Pick up hey, communications. Hey. Tamara Cherry is here, and News Talk 1010's Adjua Sia Yabois. Quick hot takes, and I'll start with you, Bob Reed, because I think you were the one who sent me the first email about this, uh, but the Prime Minister of England is stepping down, and, you know, I don't think we have to get too deep into what this means to uh, the European Union or anything. I just find it a fascinating story to become the Prime Minister on the 6th of September after a long fight and have to resign on this, the 20th of October. That's uh, humbling, to say the least. It's a pretty quick fall from grace, that's for sure. And uh, I mean, it's it's not surprising if you've been following what's been going on in the UK. This is uh, a, a the, the successor of Boris Johnson, who brought in a mini budget that was very aggressive on on tax cutting, particularly for higher incomes, that was met with a backlash, not just uh, among the broader populace, but by the markets in general. So she had to walk that back. And then it just fed on itself internally. She lost a major cabinet minister uh, just last night, I believe. I mean, the writing was on the wall that she was not going to survive. And I, I think uh, just as a quick comment, what it shows is here is a conservative party in the UK that is seriously divided. We saw it under under Boris Johnson. We're seeing two wings of a party that just can't seem to get along and they end up chewing up leaders, which looks like what's happened in this country over the last couple of federal conservative leaderships. So I would say it's a cautionary tale for the cousins on this side of the pond. Yeah, and Andrew, I tend to frame a story like this more through a personal lens because I don't really care who the Prime Minister of England is, but I think of people like, you know, Kim Campbell and John Turner who became the Prime Minister and then were voted out by the public. And you think, yeah, okay, now what do you do? Well, it's 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 not it's not surprising, as Bob was saying, like even following it, friends and family that live in the UK, when they found out that she was going to be the leader, uh, people were aghast just because of what she was saying online and social media. She wasn't focusing on the crisis, uh, the energy crisis was in the UK, focusing on random things, saying the most outlandish things. And when you, on top of that, don't have full party support, the writing was on the wall that she was going to be out. And when you start infighting and eating your own, this is the end result. And Tamara Cherry, any quick thoughts? The only thing that surprised me in the in the news that just broke um, is the fact that they're going to be picking a successor within a week. Within a week, she's sticking around until a successor is picked. Within a week, they will have their new prime minister. That was shocking to me. See, this would be, if this were happening in Canada, you know, you'd have Justin Trudeau resigning, and then the cabinet or caucus would uh, appoint somebody new, and so we'd know who that was, and then that person gets turfed in five weeks. It would be high drama. <laughs> I have to wonder what it's like yes. if you've got actual stakes in all of this. Okay, maybe we're revisiting something that is best left dead. Uh, as Stephen King said in one of his books, sometimes dead is better. But Gil Penalosa, would-be mayor of Toronto, says that we shouldn't um, do anything to the gardener. As a matter of fact, we should tear down the east end of it. Adjua, your specialty is traffic. Mm -hmm. You've been watching the impact of having closed the access to yep. Lakeshore. Um, so I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, I can just say from watching the patterns, driving in those uh, traffic patterns, things have gotten a whole lot worse. And you get rid of that main arterial artery and do not put anything else in place instead of a park space. It, and because we don't have the transit 
and subway systems that can move us around properly. They're not there yet. So if we're already tearing down a way that people need to get into and out of the city, it, it is, is not a good thing. You're just seeing gridlock within the city instead of being on a highway. You're seeing all the arterial routes, whether it be Queen, King, they're taking the hit and the heat of all of this traffic. And it's, it's just, it's pure congestion. It's frustrated people, more accidents. Things are just, are not good. So this idea, I think maybe he is not driving, maybe has somebody driving him around. So he has the luxury of that. But for most people that commute into and out of the city, because it's just people in Toronto that are living and working in the city. It's people coming outside of the city and they have no other option but to drive because transit right now at this present state is not reliable for them to get in and out of the city. And not everybody works nine to five. This is not like 20 to 30 years ago when those were the normal times that people went to work. People are working shift work. And if you're working at five in the morning, you can't take any form of transit because it is not running. You have to be dependent on your car. So it does have to be some sort of hybrid. And I, and I think that he's out of touch if he's thinking he's going to tear down everything and just replace it with a full park and have no way for people to get in and out of the city. It's my two cents. Tamara Cherry, it's always mm-hmm. impossible to test this in any given city, but as Gil Penulosa will argue in Bogota, which he was an urban planner for, Los Angeles and Portland, they've demolished freeways and put street level uh, lanes and it actually has worked and it's goose development in those places and it hasn't caused people a traffic nightmare. But like I said, you can't test it ahead of, uh, ahead of time. Yeah. And, you know, obviously this is all a moot point because he's not going to be elected. Yeah, John Tory will likely be elected and we know he's not going to do this. I was at my first, my very first community meeting in my own community this week and a whole bunch of us had turned out to listen to and expressed our opposition to city officials who recently accepted a very expensive consultant's plan to build a completely useless expressway through a protected green space. And yeah, they put a bunch of money in this. And at one point, a lawyer stood up and said, don't waste another five or seven hundred thousand dollars into actually putting together designs because this isn't going to happen. We won't allow it. All of this just speaks to the inefficiencies and the snail's pace of getting anything done with transit or traffic and municipal government. They spend a bunch of money because, it, you know, if you if you read the whole article on this, I think it was in the Toronto Star, um, you know, the city basically says, well, it's it's technically possible that uh, we could switch plans, but it'll cost a lot of money and it'll take a lot of time. And it just, it's just, it becomes a big eye roll. But, but again, this is all a moot point. Okay. Uh, listen, Bob, unless you're champing at the bit, I want to move on to a few other stories because we're running out of time. One of them would be a Pickering nursing home that had a horrible record during COVID, not only in terms of death rate, but in terms of how our armed forces members found their residents when they arrived on the scene. This Pickering nursing home is requesting a 30-year license extension. And as one person said on round one, hell no. <laughs> well, uh, no, uh, at, at first blush. Um, I will say I've, I've actually worked in this file. Uh, I have worked with the, some long-term care organizations. And uh, I'll say two things. One, by nature, because they deal with elderly, frail people uh, towards the end of their lives and usually with, with multiple um, medical conditions, uh, 
people die and people get hurt and bad things happen. It's it's part of the nature of the business. That is not to diminish anything bad that happens to people, but it's a nature of the business. And secondly, the level of oversight by the province is pretty stringent. When one family makes a complaint about the care of, of their loved one, uh, it initiates a whole chain of things. So I think it's important for people to understand there is oversight and it's not half-assed. So all of that said, um, given the, the history of incidents that have happened at this home and the bid for a long-term lease, of course people are going to say, well, that should not happen under any circumstance. Uh, so I, I do find it encouraging that the uh, Minister of Long-Term Care, when asked about it, um, as the report says, his office was being coy and indicating that, yeah, the feedback we're getting about this place is very valuable as we consider this request. So standby is what I would say. Okay. And Adjua, I, I appreciate that as a business model, running a long-term care home is a long-term process, so you need certain guarantees. But 30 years seems like a long license. A very long license, and I'm on, I'm on the hell no side. I remember during COVID, just this was what was going on at this long-term care home in particular was atrocious. I get people have uh, multi-layered issues when they're at a long-term care home and they're have more, they have um, they could possibly die and the likelihood of dying is high. But when you're not putting anything in place and it takes the military to come in, bear I understand that it was COVID, but to come in and then they have to make sure that things are being done properly, like flies. Are not, accept, uh, are not acceptable. Um, conditions where people are sitting in their diapers for hours upon hours on end, not acceptable. To me, the audacity that they would even apply for a 30-year lease on this home uh, speaks to their that they're able to just think that they can get away with what they've been doing to people in this home for a long time because people have been turning a blind eye to this and it's not just this particular long-term care home. The entire long-term care home system does need to be overhauled. These are people that paid into a system, and at the end of their life, they just want to get treated the way they're supposed to be treated, get some dignity of life. And a lot of these long-term care homes have been able to get away with a lot of things, and COVID just shined a light on what was always happening. Yeah, so, last, yeah word, say hello. last word to Tamara Cherry, and I think it is worth noting, and this is what happens when you have a sector that is not as big as it needs to be. You allow people to, to do things not necessarily the way you want them done. And let, let's not forget that it wasn't long-term care homes alone getting away with this for so long just, just because they were doing evil things. There was a lack of government oversight happening. Mm -hmm. and and I, and I would hope that, you know, if, if they do get an extension of some sort, and I think I heard somebody on round one suggesting that maybe it's, it's the, you know, there's caveats in there that if you get your 30 year license extension, then after five years, you have to show this or two years, whatever. Um, I would hope that there are also more checks and balances on the government to ensure that they are checking up on our seniors in long-term care homes and making sure that they aren't infested with cockroaches and that people aren't sitting in their own feces and that there isn't abuse happening and all those other things that we're let we're let go for for many for far too many years thank you all that's our time uh jerry agar is going to pick it up on the other side and then tomorrow jerry agar and i are going to flip-flop our shows so you'll wake up with him and then i'll get to prattle on from nine to noon catch the round table round one at 7 45 round two at 8 45 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 toronto